Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Good Clean Sports, episode number 46. We just got one man in the booth. I'm your co-host, Chris Cortiani Jr. The other co-hosts, Patrick Kearney and Michael Allen Logan, are not here currently in Raleigh, North Carolina. Patrick Kearney just left Christmas morning. He had to wake up pretty early to go head down with the NC State football team to Texas El Paso. They touched down safely. They're enjoying it. Can't wait for them to play their football game. Michael Allen Logan is down in Mobile, Alabama with his family spending a quality time for Christmas. Missed that guy. Currently just beat him in uh, fantasy football, the fantasy football championship. I apologize. You had a pretty solid team, Mike. I'm not going to lie. You were pretty good. You just didn't really come up uh, clutch when it mattered. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on social media. You All you have to do is just search Good Clean Sports on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud. Name's the same. Doesn't change. We really do get a lot of traffic on Twitter. We have some pretty good tweets. We stay up to date with that. If you guys want to subscribe and download on our iTunes page, that would really be appreciated. You can find us there. We have a uh, website, goodcleansports.com. You can check out some content, news, uh, stuff about the co-host, Patrick Kearney, Mike Logan, and myself. And then we have a email account, goodcleansports at gmail.com. If you guys want to send us any segment suggestions, uh, any hate mail, if you guys don't like one of us, if you think we're being annoying, send us a mail. We love that. We really do. We have two guest interviews for this episode. The first one, we have NC State head football coach Dave Doran joining us. It's going to be a sweet episode right before the, the bowl game against Arizona State on New Year's Eve. And then we also have 99.9, the fan co-host Joe Ovius joining us. He wants to talk about net neutrality, breaking that down for a bunch of naive folks. And then he also wants to give a little take about what he thinks is going to happen with the Panthers' ownership coming up after this season because Jerry Richardson is outie. And we're going to go ahead and jump into our first interview with NC State football coach Dave Doran. Hope you guys enjoy. I am the greatest. Fifteen times I have told the clown what round he's going down, and this jump ain't no different. Folks, joining us today from the Murphy Center is NC State head football coach Dave Dorn. Coach Dorn has led the Wolfpack to four bowl games in a row, including this year's trip to El Paso to play Arizona State in the Sun Bowl. Coach D, really appreciate your time, man. How are you doing today? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir, absolutely. So, at what point in your life would you say you knew you wanted to be a head football coach? Uh, it would have been uh, probably my junior year of college when I made that change uh, in direction with my career path. Okay. What kind of hobbies do you have away from football? Are there any, you know, fishing, golfing? Yeah. What do you like to do away? Well, you named them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love to fish. Um, love to play the guitar. Uh, play some golf when I have to, but uh, fishing would probably be number one. Nice. All right, so I think a lot of people kind of don't understand the sacrifices and the grind that it is to be a head football coach. So just kind of explain what the journey's been like from your time as a player and then a GA and then finally to where you are now. There's a lot of moving parts in football, so you know when you're working your way up from the bottom to the top, you know you're kind of learning all the ins and outs of what makes a program run. And right. you know, as a GA twice, um, and a you know position coach um, at the high school level, and then at one AA college football, and and then through the Power Five conferences, I've seen a lot of different things, and 
uh, prepared me for being in the chair I'm in now. But uh, I don't think you truly know what a head coach has to do until you become a head coach. I think a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a lot of things behind the scenes. You know, oh, there's yeah. a lot of people involved from the equipment staff to the training staff to the weight room staff to the nutritionist to the housing you know, to all the different things that deal with the players' lives and then your recruiting and, and uh, making sure your coaches, you know, have what they need and the athletic director and, you know, meeting the needs that they have for you academically. And there's a lot of moving parts and you're balancing a lot of things at once, And uh, but you're only doing it so you can coach, you know. So you only right. get a couple hours of that a day where it really makes sense. Mm -hmm. What are practices like this time of the year leading up to a bowl game yeah. compared to a regular season where you all play every week? Well, you get more practices, so, you know, you can kind of uh, take your time with your install and you get to repeat your install multiple times. So uh, in a game week, you really only have three days of practice to prepare for a game where uh, in a bowl game you're looking at 13 or 14 practice opportunities. So we spend the first five kind of getting our veterans healthy and getting our young guys a lot of work that had redshirted this year and getting them back into our systems. And then the next four, we really focus on the opponent. So we don't have to get too much into specifics, but early signing day just happened. And how have you and your staff been able to be so successful on the recruiting trail, especially as of late and especially in the state of North Carolina? Well, we've recruited these guys, you know, since they were freshmen or sophomores that we just signed. And our staff uh, does a good job understanding that it's not just the player you recruit, it's everybody in the trees. You know, you got to go through the entire family and find everyone that matters, the high school coach, the assistant coaches. Uh, sometimes it's a you know, a coach that coached them in another sport that's important in his life or a guy that's on a seven-on-seven -seven team. So you got to find them all because you don't know who they're getting advice from and get them all to understand what NC State has to offer. And, and in building that relationship and teaching the young men what we're here for, you know, to develop them and make them into a better man, make them into a, a college grad and then a tremendous football player. And, and that's the fun thing now is we can show them what we've done here over five years with a bunch of guys that were like them that we've developed into NFL caliber players with college degrees. Yeah, you've become such a hot commodity around the nation uh, this past, I mean, over the past several years, but you decided to re-sign with NC State. What makes Raleigh, North Carolina such a special place for you? You know, uh, just the quality of life, not just in Raleigh, but in North Carolina. You know, we love the different things we can do as a family here, you know, whether it's fishing or, or going to the coast or the mountains or the lakes that kind of quality of life where you don't have to get on an airplane to take a vacation, you know, because we don't get a lot of days off, you know, nope. and my kids love their schools. You know, we're fortunate to live in an area that has tremendous schools for my sons and they're happy with their friends, you know, the teams they're on. You know, I've worked really hard to build a culture here that I enjoy being in. And uh, the thought of having to do that over again wasn't something I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to continue forward with what we're doing. and. I came to NC State with the goal of being the winningest coach they've ever had, and, and to come back here, I have an op opportunity to do that. So very blessed and thankful that I get that opportunity and excited to continue what we're doing. Yes, sir, absolutely. We're very happy you came back. So kind of a you know random question here. If you weren't a head football coach, what do you think you would be? Well, I thought I was going to be a doctor at one time, so that's probably where I would have headed if, if, had I not changed course. Okay. Um, but that would probably be where I would be right now. All right. Um, I, I was going to ask this question, even if Avon wasn't in here, but who wins in a wrestling match between you and Elliot Avon? I, I know you've got the height on him, you've got the wingspan, but he's pretty feisty. Yeah, he here. is feisty. I, I think we'd both end up in the hospital because I, think, <laughs> I know that we're both dirty, you know, that way. Probably go down doing something to each other, but uh, there's no quitting either one of us here, I'm sure. Coach Avon is in the building. How you doing, Coach? How you doing? Great. 
So uh, another random question for you, Coach, uh, as we kind of wrap it up. If you could share a couple beers, you know, of your choice with anybody in the history of the world, dead or alive, who do you think that would be? That's a very difficult question. Um, uh, we put you on the spot. Yeah, yeah we kind of put you on the spot. but Yeah, you know, there's a lot of different people. Uh, that I, You know, John Kennedy, President okay. Kennedy okay. would be somebody I'd want to spend time with for sure. Um, Merle Haggard would be someone I'd like to spend some time with. Talking about people that are dead. Yeah, rest in peace. He just passed <laughs> yeah. away, didn't he? Yeah, very recently. Um, there's no doubt he would be someone I'd want to spend some time with. Will Farrell, who's living. Uh, I'd like to spend some time with Will Farrell and probably to, to round it up, Clint Eastwood, uh, Ooh, one of my nice. favorite actors. I'd like to spend some time with him. And for NC State fans, what kind of a team does Arizona State have uh, mm-hmm. leading up to this bowl game? Uh, they're a high-scoring offense, 1,000-yard uh, receiver, 1,000-yard running back, athletic quarterback, high tempo, you know, similar to what we see in our conference with the speed they play at. Defensively, they're, they're a disruptive defense. They create a lot of turnovers, a lot of tackles for losses and sacks, but they've given up a lot of points. Uh, so we've got to do a good job of managing their pressures and their stunts and not allowing them to get us behind the chains. Uh, special teams-wise, they've blocked five punts, you know, so they're an aggressive special teams unit. They've won five of the last seven games, beat Washington, beat Oregon. So they're playing good football right now, and they're dealing with some you know, unique things with the coaching change. So we'll see how that impacts their team. Well, Coach, we leave for El Paso on Christmas Day. I know you're very busy at this point in time, but we really can't thank you enough for spending a few minutes of your time with us, and uh, good luck in the bowl game. Merry Christmas to everybody, and go Pack. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Dave Doran interview. We're actually going to go directly to our next interview with 99.9 The Fan co-host of the Adam and Joe show, Joe Ovius. Hope you guys enjoy. Folks, joining us this week for a second time, friend of the program, Joe Ovius. Joe is a 99.9 FM The Fan, co-host of the Adam and Joe show. Joe, how you doing today? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you guys. Just getting some last minute things done. Make sure the battery is stocked, or the house is stocked with batteries, so we don't have any disasters on Christmas morning, so we're good. Awesome. Well, I want to go ahead and get into the, uh, the thick of things. I see a lot of different explanations all over Twitter. You know, a lot of experts out there on this on this topic, but uh, you seem to have a pretty good understanding. What exactly is net neutrality, and how <laughs> how is it going to affect us and also our good, clean sports audience? Uh, well, we don't we don't know yet. Okay. Uh, because this is gonna this they made the decision. The FCC made the, this this decision. Um, but there's going to be lawsuits and, and things like that. In fact, I believe North Carolina is actually one of the states that was preparing to file one. But um, to not, not to get too technical, but what net neutrality would allow if the um, ISPs, your internet service providers, your telecom companies, broadband companies, what it would allow is um, essentially toll roads for what you already pay so like for instance we use highways as a as an example of this okay you uh you already you know your taxes already pay for roads right mm-hmm. yeah uh and you can go on i-40 and deal with traffic if you'd like that's technically free right or you can go use the triangle expressway uh which is a toll road i was just down in miami for uh for thanksgiving and they've got these uh, these commuter tollways that for fifteen dollars you can get into this lane and get to where you're going a heck of a lot faster. Okay. And that is kind of what 
could happen. And I have to preface this by saying that these are possible things without net neutrality. Because before, all of the internet was treated as one. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't like you pay. It's like a utility. You pay. You pay for your electricity, but they're not charging you more for. Well, this is the electricity that powers your microwave. Okay. If you want to power your microwave, you can add that for five dollars more a month. So that's essentially what net neutrality would do. Whether it's like a toll road where you have to pay extra to go faster uh, for certain things. Uh, or in the case of, you know, the most common example would be, uh, let's say you are big into social media and you use a lot of Netflix. So that would allow a company to say, okay, cool, here's your basic internet. But if you don't want to get throttled on Netflix usage, you could pay an additional $5 more for our movie package. And that would allow you to watch all the Netflix you want at their normal speeds. Or if you're a heavy social media user, you know, hey, get extra access to, you know, or faster speeds, non-throttled speeds for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, those types of things. Again, these are possible matters. Um, the, uh, the reason why I'm skeptical is because in my 38 years of existence, I've never really known the cable company or satellite companies or telecom companies to do what's right by the customer. Um, and the whole reason why I, a couple of years, wrote on WRLSportsFan.com about cutting the cord was because my AT&T U-verse bill went from a promotional rate of about 150 bucks to north of $200. Ooh. So these are, you know, these are things that this is why people are not happy about this. It's also anti-rural, too, uh, because you know, the, the more expensive it is to get on the internet, the less opportunity people are given if they can't necessarily afford it. This is why telecom companies, cable providers, uh, media companies have been not really feeling these citywide free public internets and some of the initiatives have gone away. And if you end up not being able to use it free open internet, it actually is not good for, upstarts you know these uh you know companies like snapchat or facebook got started because they were able to use an open free internet and this potentially could uh could have problems for that this also affects you the sports fan i know people are probably listening to this right now like what does that have to do with sports another example of this would be hey if you want to watch espn on watch espn you want to consume all the sports well we've got this package too so that's that's where things stand right now these are all again open-ended things i'm very much for net neutrality because, again, uh, to wrap up my point here, I've never really been one to um, trust that large corporations are doing things that are, you know, beneficial to the customers if they can make more money. Because, you know, God bless America, we like making money. <laughs> hey, so whenever I stream something on like the Watch ESPN app, it's always delayed by like two to maybe like five minutes. Is that on purpose <laughs> to make people get cable? No. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not on purpose. I swear it but, is, man. Uh, I swear. I mean, I mean, really. I mean, really. It's just a matter of how fast data data can travel. I mean, they gotta. The way that works is, I mean, you're already watching something on a bit of a delay through over the air right. or through cable. Uh, that's why if you like sync up an over the air broadcast of something versus something that you watched on cable, sometimes it could be a good five seconds behind because uh, that's just the, the the nature of the transmission. So take that and then put it into a media encoder to process that, deliver it through the internet, and then get it through your app, 
that's why you're looking at it's gotten better um if you like the best that i've seen is direct tv now okay that over the top internet service that's about 20 to 30 seconds behind which isn't too bad but yeah we'll actually us going to be pretty bad on that uh, on that front so keeping in the media realm here rupert murdoch recently sold 20th century fox to disney but he retained the fox broadcast network so like for like a I don't know kind of a novice like us, what what effects will this have on the media industry? Do you think? Uh, well, it, the focus has been on what Disney's uh, getting out of this, and, and rightfully so. So it's going to affect consumers in, in two two ways. Uh, if you are um, if you're a Netflix user, you like watching TV, you like watching shows online through apps. Essentially, what's going to happen is that Disney by 2018 2019 is going to come out with a Netflix competitor. They're going to yank all of their properties off of Netflix. They're going to run all that stuff through their own Netflix-style apps. So you like the Marvel stuff? They're going to have it there. You like Star Wars? They're going to have it there. You like your Disney movies? They're going to have it. All those Fox shows like The Simpsons and things like that, they snapped all that stuff up too. So all that will be under Disney's umbrella. From an even dorkier perspective, (laughs) hi, that's me. Uh, this will unify like all the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff. So like it used to be like X Men weren't in the Disney Marvel movies because Fox still had the rights. So like Wolverine could be fighting with the Avengers in these Avenger movies. Uh, now that's done. Like that you'll see Wolverine with everybody else. Spider Man was one of the first little things that happened. Like they bought out. You know, they came out to some agreement with a joint venture between Fox and Disney to reboot or soft reboot Spider-Man with Homecoming so he could show up in Captain America Civil War. Um, that's how Spider-Man showed up. Because if you're going to do these comic book movies right, you need all the characters together. And this is something that happened you know, nearly 20 years ago when Marvel was almost bankrupt. They actually started selling the rights to all these movie studios. That's why it was such a mess. Uh, from a sports perspective, the more intriguing thing is going to be what Fox does for Fox seems to be positioning themselves as the big event network. So you want to watch the World Series? They're going to have it. Super Bowls, they got it. NFL, they got it. Uh, They'll put some stuff on Fox Sports 1, but ultimately they're putting all their chips on the table for broadcast big events, the things that get uh, big-time ratings and big-time ad revenue. Uh, And you definitely do that with their October run of baseball and obviously really NFL stuff. Now, Disney snatched up all of the regional networks. So like Fox Sports Carolinas, right? Fox Sports South. So you watch the Carolina Hurricanes, that's on Fox Sports Carolinas. You watch the Hornets, that's on South. So ESPN is going to take those over. Now, you can look at it one or two ways. If you are a skeptic, you're already looking at Disney the last couple of years having overpaid for all these sports rights in an era where they're losing subscribers that subsidized their cable, uh, their cable hall. Mm-hmm. So right now they, they peaked at around a hundred million subscribers, uh, four years ago. Right. This just for people who might not know this though, you know, of a hundred million people that are using cable and paying for ESPN, you know, the conventional wisdom was about 30% of those people actually gave a damn about sports or cared about ESPN. So you were getting, a large amount of people who never watched the channel but were helping pay your bills. And that's how ESPN was able to, in a lot of times, overpay for these sports rights to keep them away from competitors. So that has been diminished. The other thing that uh, that ESPN has been dealing with, too, is 
just people borrowing logins and they can still watch their sports and not necessarily have to pay for it going forward. So how are they going to solve that? So some people are already skeptical of, wait, so you're doubling down on the thing that has investors really, really skeptical of your future and whether or not Disney should even keep you on. So that's, that's angle number one. Now, the one that I kind of have pivoted to is, all right, well, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, you might as well have all of it, right? Because people aren't gonna stop watching sports. So essentially, what Disney's gonna do with ESPN is they're gonna dominate you with scale. It'll allow them to do better carriage agreements with cable companies. It's like, all right, look, look at New York. You're gonna take ESPN. You're gonna take the Yes Network for the Yankees, and you're gonna take our Disney channels as well. Nope. And they'll be able to push that through a lot easier now than it was before. And here locally, you'll be like, all right, you're going to take the ACC network, you're going to take ESPN, you're going to take ESPN2, you're going to take these suite of Disney channels like Freeform and Disney Channel, all that stuff, and you're going to take Fox Sports Carolina. So it essentially allows them leverage in uh, these carriage agreements. And when you tie all this stuff up, too, it allows them to go scale on advertising rates as well. They can package all this stuff together. And the other thing with the regional networks, and this is the interesting play, is they've got this upcoming streaming network called ESPN Plus, Ooh. which is a callback to the old ESPN Plus, ESPN Plus, back when I was y'all's age. But this new ESPN Plus mm-hmm. is going to be an over-the-top streaming network, and theoretically, they could put some of the stuff from the regional network behind their paywall, yeah. and that way you can watch these things there to get more money out of them. Interesting. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the movie perspective. Where do you rank the Last Jedi in your all-time Star Wars <laughs> rankings? Uh, yeah. Why, why, why don't we gotta rank them, man? It's like children. You know, you gotta love them all, right? Uh, they, enjoy greatness, right? Hey, hey, the audience yeah, like they like the polls. They like the polls. I uh, <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoyed Last Jedi. I thought I thought it was good uh, for a couple of for a couple of reasons. Okay. Like you keep you can't you can't keep making the same movie. All yeah. right. I enjoyed Force Awakens. But Force Awakens was a soft reboot of the first Star Wars movie. Yep. Now, I know why J.J. Abrams did it is because people were so burnt by the prequels that J.J. had to bring everybody back home, right? So he did a fun, callback, nostalgia-heavy movie that wasn't all that different from the first one. I mean, for heaven's sake, it was right down to uh, a, a round thing that could blow up other round things, right? Right. Yeah. So it was just a bigger Death Star this time, right? So... I understand why they had to do it, but I didn't want I I didn't want another Empire Strikes Back. We already did that, so we can't we can't have like this you know reveal of oh raise a family member or something like that. Like no 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 no. So I liked what the director did with some of the conventions of Star Wars. Like hey, we haven't seen all the things you could do with the Force. Cool. Hey, the Jedi. If you think about it. Uh, this bad guy, good guy stuff just keeps getting in the cycle, so maybe you want to break the cycle. Uh, I thought that uh, that Kylo, the guy who plays Kylo, who's the guy from Girls, does a really good job of being like a complicated bad guy. And they eliminated, you know, spoilers, sorry folks, they haven't seen it yet, it's too late. Uh, uh, you know, they wipe out Snoke, and it eliminates the Emperor thing that was in the first Star Wars movies. Now you got Kylo Ren as the bad guy. And it also li- I also liked how they broke away from this idea that in order to be a Jedi or have the Force or be really good at the Force, it had to come from this like family line of Skywalkers or something like that. It gets back to the original tone of the first movie where it's like, hey, some random farm boy on a desert planet has this gift, right? Yeah. That's why I thought as much as that casino sequence was kind of labored, 
the end of the movie. I'm assuming you guys have watched it, so I'm not spoiling it, right? I guess I should ask that first. I mean, this is a spoiler alert for PK. I've no, seen I it. saw it. I saw it. I saw it. All right, you saw it? Okay, good. So, like, at the end with the broom boy? You saw the broom boy at the end, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that tied back the whole casino thing. Like, that's not them doing a Harry Potter mashup for the next movie. That was, you know, like, this whole, like, all right, see, anybody can do it. So, I like that. The fact that Ray didn't have any parents or parents didn't really matter. She came from nobody and she has to come to reconcile, you know, she has to reconcile that. I like that kind of stuff. And the visuals were cool too. I mean, yeah. I thought it was just a, a really. It was a little too long. No movie's perfect. Yeah, Mike fell asleep. It. I really liked it. Okay, but explain to me the glaring lack of lightsaber battles in the movie. What are you talking about? We had like two cool lightsaber battles there at the end. And but like, I watch a Star Wars movie. I want some confrontation. Like, what other movie do you have great lightsaber battles? Like, I want a plethora of lightsaber confrontation. I don't know, man. I thought the uh, the sequence with Kylo and Rey taking on that Praetorian Guard or whatever they're called. They're not the Knights of Ren. Uh, that was pretty awesome. And then... Uh, that was good. That was good. That final confrontation between uh, Kylo and uh, and Force Projection Luke. That was kind of neat, you know? Yeah, I need some so, yeah, I liked it. So, uh, are you a Harry Potter fan? Uh, right now, my kids are going through Harry Potter. Okay. So, uh, so right now I'm at um, where am I at right now? I think I'm at the the Order of the Phoenix. That's I think that's where I am right now. Okay, I think yeah. that's the fifth one. Um, well, like whenever I watch Star Wars, to me Kylo Ren is just a poor man Severus Snape. <laughs> is that a hot take? <laughs> well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Doesn't doesn't Snape like he acts like the bad guy, but he ends up doing something good, right? Well, spoiler alert. Yeah, in the end, he's like one of the most complicated, intricate characters ever. But yeah, in the end, he's a good guy. He's a good guy, right? Okay, I know. Because uh, I've seen the movies. I'm just kind of rehashing the stuff through the books now. Right, the books right. get into a hell of a lot more detail. So, so yeah, I, I, think, I think I'm with you on that one. But we'll see. I don't know. I mean, before you start uh, talking about how Harry Potter is uh, trailblazing, let's remember that most of this stuff was just a ripoff of Star Wars anyway. That's very you true. Know? You're not wrong. I'm just saying. <laughs> You're not I'm wrong. I'm just saying. I got, I got no hate, I got no hate for, uh, for Harry Potter. Hey Joe, you got any early nominations for uh, who should who should be the next Carolina Panthers owner? I, I've seen a couple names there now, but <laughs> you got any good takes? Oh, it's Diddy, right? It's got to be Diddy. Puff, I think we're pushing for yeah. Diddy. Good clean's pushing for Diddy. Yeah, yeah. Let's do uh, let's do Puff Daddy that way. Every year they can change their name. It'll be like a big Twitter thing about what what their new name is going to be. <laughs> the uh, I mean, rather than Bojangles, you're going to be getting like Ciroc and some other stuff. Ooh. I don't even know. No, I mean I don't look. I don't know uh, who's going to come along. Uh, I don't know who has two point five billion dollars, but um, but I do know that I don't think it's crazy for somebody. Well, first off, it's fantasy talk because the owners are never going to allow somebody like Diddy, no, to buy the team. There's just no way. Yeah, There's just no true. way. It's an old boys club. Diddy's not in the old boys, and especially when like Colin Kaepernick walks in on it, like nah, that's a non-starter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna be. It, it could be Burton Smith, the okay. uh, Mister NASCAR there in Charlotte, because yeah. he's got a big B next to his name, and that would be good for Charlotte because it wouldn't move. But even whoever buys it, whoever buys that team, they're not gonna move it because just like we talked about with North Carolina SC. And any potential, any potential MLS team, the, uh, the the city of Charlotte's a lot like Raleigh and just general North Carolina, where it's young, it's developing, it's constantly growing, and it's a desirable market right now. So why would you ever move it? 
And I think the NFL recognizes that as well. It's like when the Carolina Hurricanes went on sale and this Chuck Greenberg dude was going to want to buy it. Now this Thomas Dundon, the guy who has uh, Top Golf, that's how people know. Um, which, hey, uh, side story, exciting times in Raleigh. We're probably going to get a Top Golf now. Oh, but the, I have not done Top Golf, but I know people swear by Top Golf, so I'm really excited about this. What's your golf game but, like? My golf game's terrible, though. <laughs> All right, honest man. Solid, I, like it. I, I can like play it. with you. No, I mean, I, I golf twice a year, but if you, if you like, gamify it for me where there's beer and I got to, like, get a target, <laughs> I'll play more of that stuff than anything else. Maybe it'll actually improve my game. But the uh, – no, so, like, with the Carolina Hurricanes, people are like, oh, they're going to move to Quebec. They're going to do this, they're going to do that. Like, why? This area constantly is growing. Since I've been here since 1995, I mean, I can just track how many people are here based on the traffic. I mean, it used to be when I was dating my – my, my now wife, uh, I could drive from NC State's campus out to Chapel Hill. I could do that in like 30 minutes flat when I was done with class. Uh, now, if I was to leave the station that's in Raleigh, make it to a Carolina basketball game, dude, that's going to take me like an hour. So it's, look, there's, there's so many people here, and it's, it's, it's a high-income area, and that's why the Carolina Hurricanes aren't going to move. That's why, the, that's why the Panthers wouldn't move either. Hey, so you just mentioned that you moved here in 95. Uh, I was born in 96. How does that make you feel? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, my brother was born in 95, too. He just graduated from NC State. So, trust me, I don't need you to remind me how old I am. <laughs> my brother does that for me every time uh, when he tells me things like, hey, man, can you just Venmo this to me or whatever? I'm like, how about I just give you cash, dude? You know, like stuff like that. So trust me, uh, I already feel old when he asks me if I if I've heard the latest little yachty metro boomin mixtape, <laughs> whatever. Go. I'm like, it's like, nah, man. You got some dad rock for me. You got some more on drugs. You got some uh, the national. What's this? Uh, what's this stuff? I have no idea. It, it does it does nothing for me. Hey, uh, speaking of music, how did you uh, – so, like, were you a DJ? That's right. That's how you got your knowledge of uh, 90s yeah, music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at, uh, was at WKNC at State. Okay, so did you, like, intentionally go out of your way to just rack your brain with all this information, or did you kind of just pick it up along the way? Because it's impressive. No, I just, picked, I just picked it up. I mean, it was uh, – I mean, my, my upbringing uh, consisted of copia, copious amounts of MTV okay. and, uh, and Sports Center. I mean, honestly, those are the two things that I watched when I grew up. I watched tons of sports center on ESPN, and I watched a ton of, uh, of MTV. Uh, and then, you know, driving around in the car, if I wasn't listening to my Discman or a mixtape that I had made, uh, my dad was listening to sports talk. So, I mean, that's honestly like the two things that I uh, was raised on, and there you go. So that's why that's why I have uh, a, knack, a knack for the music stuff. And you can't take the music DJ out of me because I still like making – playlists and all that fun stuff hey so one last one question. of these days one of these days i'm gonna get fred over at nc state to let me dj a set at pnc arena for a basketball game but we'll see if that ever happens okay well please do that and dj a set at carter finley because we have some of the worst pregame and endgame music probably in the acc but who's whose call is that though who makes that decision I mean, honestly, I, I probably goes from Dr. Yao, and then they always say that like the big boosters don't like the hippity hop rap music that all the young kids like. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that because the uh, the Smith Center over in Chapel Hill went through this a little bit. So there's a guy, uh, DJ Ford, who actually, ironically enough, was an NC State dude, 
and <laughs> he so he's you know he's he does his thing so shout out to dj force so they brought him in to completely redo and modernize and get a little younger with their pregame sets so i always like died of irony when uh they do all the band stuff and whatever but when it was time for the team to come out they had like an instrumental of jay-z and kanye's in paris right yeah and and then they would do and then they would play some uh they would play some other stuff they'd play some future and things like that and i thought it was good the students were clearly into it and then you get into the old boosters who are sitting there going well wait a minute this is like i don't i don't like this where's the band i need some of the more familiar stuff so it's that weird push and pull right but here's the thing guys when you guys are old and you guys start going NC State games, you're going to be wanting, like, what are these kids listening to? Where's my good old stuff? Can I listen to some Drake? Which, Ooh. that's what that's will be considered oldies. And you guys will want that. That's going to be weird. But, but, no matter how far we go into the future, Wagon Wheel will still be played. Oh, without a doubt. They could be like a nuclear holocaust and Carter Finley would still be blasting Wagon Wheel. Pretty much. Pretty much. Well... Joe, we cannot thank you enough for coming on for a second time. And as always, your support throughout the process that we've been trying to build here. And thank you. Have a Merry Christmas. And uh, you, didn't want it, you guys didn't want any of my NC State takes? No football takes? All right. Well, all right, I'll get one. I'll get one. No, no, no. I got, I got one last question for you. So we're going to El Paso, which is on the border. You're right. And if I just want to venture into Mexico, what are the odds I'm never heard from again? Oh, uh, no, you'll be fine. You can get a Juarez. I will say this, pro tip, uh, get with uh, Sports Channel 8's Hayes Permar. I love him Hayes. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah get, up, get, get up with him on Twitter, and uh, he will be your uh, he'll be your tour guide. So you'll be fine. But here's the thing, guys. I better see pictures of Dave Dorn in a sombrero. That's all I ask. Ooh, Peaks, you got a mission. All right, well, uh, I think if we get a victory and get a couple beers in him after the game, we can, uh, we can get that accomplished. There you go. Thank you, Joe. Really appreciate it. All right, man. Later. Have a good one. And that about does it for episode 46 of Good Clean Sports. I really do appreciate you guys listening to our episode. Don't forget social media. You guys can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud. All you got to do is search Good Clean Sports right there. And then iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe, download. We really do appreciate it, folks. Hope all of you guys had a great great Christmas. We're getting into the thick of things with the football season. We're also starting to head into conference play in college basketball. NBA season's heating up. Next episode is going to be great. Episode 47. We'll probably have that around, you know, next week, maybe the next two weeks. And, you know, as we like to say on Good Clean Sports from time to time, the Mamba is outie.